888-344-0303. Call now, because this is the Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Air streets. Here we go. There you yeah. go. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and now we're taking a complete U-turn from the last segment, which was great, on politics. But now, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk to a guy who I saw play as the lead singer so many times back in the day, Charlie Rice, the lead singer for Downpour. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Anthony. How are you guys doing? We're doing, doing great. well. Thank and, you. Thanks and I'm going to tell you, I've, had, I've experienced a lot of thrills doing this show for about four and a half years now, many. And this is this is another thrill for me, to be honest with you, uh-huh. to, to have... To have Charlie Rice sitting here in this room where I interviewing a chance to talk and interview who uh, we had a gang of, of, of kids, young people, let's say. Absolutely. Late teen, teens and early 20s and then into our 30s who went to see Downpour just about everywhere they went in the area from Basin Harbor Club to what was the old called the Gallery in Virginia at the time to the Red Dog and... Acropolis and up in Smugs. You guys were all over. The man with the memory here. That's right. Anthony, he's unbelievable. Well, you know, he, he that that happens. And, he, and I'm like, and he'll trigger thoughts in, in my mind. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I forgot about this or I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. No. I know. Well, we could be guaranteed he was going to be showing up at the shows that we were playing. That's for sure. Oh, well, yeah. So, Charlie, let's talk about Downpour. You know, here, a couple of Winooski boys. Yeah. Charlie and Tim Rice. Yep. Um, how did the formation of the band Downpour, because again, I say Downpour was the band in in Vermont in this area in the 70s and the 80s into the 90s. How did how did the band Downpour start? Well, I think uh, what happened was uh, Bob and I got together. Bob Recupero, who was down uh, for Jen's area, um, yeah. and he was a UVM guy. And uh, George Irwin uh, was our bass player. Bristol boy. Uh, and the t- Bristol boy. And the two of those guys were good friends. They grew up, they played in bands <clears throat> all through high school and stuff like that. Uh, they they had a, game, a band called the Martians way back then. And uh, so the, the two of them were, had, had, you know, coordinated on a lot of music together. And then uh, I ran into Bob and Bob and I, you know, spent a weekend together and uh, played played a bunch of music. And he said, you know, he says, you get that high voice uh, more like the Graham Nash kind of, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash sound. And uh, he said, you know, I think it would really blend really well. So we got together a few times at Bob's Bob's place and then at George's place down in South Burlington and uh, just start, started harmonizing and started learning Crosby, Stills, and Nash stuff. And we kind of looked at each other and went, whoa. Sounds we've got good. something here. Well, yeah, we we might have something here. Yeah. So, uh, and then the next thing you know, we were doing Battle of the Bands and you name it, the things that were happening back in those days, you know. But it was when, the early 70s. And when did you, was your brother Tim part of it immediately no, or not until No, late? Tim was in college. Uh, he was going to school up in Maine. Uh, and uh, we had another gentleman from Winooski, uh, Dave Morwood. Uh, sat in on drums with us because we started thinking maybe we should add a drummer, and then uh, and then you know it just we th- we kind of thought well wait a minute my brother's a drummer you know and uh, he finished up school and uh, decided to come and join us and the rest is history. Yep. It's uh you know to think about it uh, from from all these different perspectives it makes sense I think uh, I was born and raised in Middlebury Kurt in Virginia so right. a couple of Addison County boys so yep. you know and I've known Bob for years sure. and I knew Bob 
not even realizing it was Bob from Downpour oh, yeah. years later, you know? And, right. Um, so to hear how the whole thing kind of came together organically right here, and Absolutely. I could just imagine um, the, those those first few times when you guys started harmonizing, it, the way that it came out, you must have just been like, Okay. Yeah. This is serious. We should we should really we yeah. should put some energy towards it. Well, at the time, I was I was like auditioning with about three other three other bands. Um, there was a, a really heavy uh, heavy screaming nuts go nuts band, uh, and I wasn't really interested. In that. I was also uh, in a band like a uh, uh, a horn band. You know, oh, really? Like doing uh, you know everything from Sly and the Family Stone to yeah. that kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed that. The problem yeah. was is that. At the time, you just said, well, wait a minute, you know, we, we got a lot of members here. I don't know if we're going to be able to afford, you know, right. if Vermont's going to be able to afford this kind of this kind of thing. So, you know, I definitely shied away towards Downpour. And uh, yeah, like I said, well, it makes rest- good sense. How did the name Downpour come about? We uh, we were doing uh, jobs at St. Michael's and at, because George was going to St. Mike's and uh, Bob was going to UVM. Uh, and we did a... Um, show i believe at uvm uh and these girls uh these girls hired us wanted to hire us for a uh for a party and uh they came up with i remember gina and uh they uh they came up with names they had like 20 names of you know sassafras and moonshine and you know things like that and you know this gina mentioned to me she says i i thought of downpour i went to sleep i woke up and it was raining and said that's that's the name, and, and we always said, "Well, you know, we'll change it eventually." You know, yeah, but no, it's stuck. Thirty years later, right? I think you made the right choice. I, that was uh, yeah. a great name, and definitely better than Sassafras and Moonshine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, just I think if say. you named it Sassafras, that was the and one that t- that's the one that stuck with me for sure. Yeah. And, it, and it, 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 it wouldn't have been the same. I hey, no. we're going over to the yeah. club tomorrow night to see Sassafras and Moonshine. You would abbreviate it somehow for yeah. sure. Yeah. But Dalpour was the perfect name. Yeah, um, it's interesting how that came about too. It's just you know, college party, get hired, and they they're throwing different names out. And yep, yeah. So Tim joins the band. What year about was that? Probably we were probably three four years into it anyway. Yeah. And uh, did it start out? I mean, what kind of a did you make a good living with it? How did it start out? Did you start? I don't know if we made a good there? living. We traveled a lot. I mean, you know, we. We spent a lot of time in uh, Old Orchard Beach, Maine. We spent time in. Uh, I never made it to that one. You know, you so never, Old Orchard. Exactly. Did you play the pier. Well, there were so many people that did, and uh, it was amazing. We we go play uh, uh, down in uh, in, in uh, Massachusetts mm-hmm. at uh, Myrtle Beach, and. Everybody from Vermont would be there. We'd say, I don't know why I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you but, know, it's uh, funny because, um, yeah, Old Orchard, uh, I'll usually spend a weekend or two sure. in the summer still. Sure. And they get these phenomenal bands oh, yeah. uh, out of Boston. So Absolutely. I bet that was a, was a serious pipeline for you in the other direction. Right. Uh, because uh, that, that's a great music scene. And to be, to be there. Yeah. And then it probably it opened up Southern New England for you. Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, like I said, that was uh, that was our way of getting out of town, you know, because, I mean, we did do the Club New England dates and you named all the clubs. I mean, Red Dog Gallery, you know, Virgins. We had a lot. We made a lot of good friends and 
have have a lot of great memories. I mean, uh, it was a wonderful time for sure. We're talking to Charlie Rice, the lead singer of the band Downpour. In the day, they were the Vermont band. You could, I mean, we went to see them everywhere. And the history of the band, if you have a question for Charlie, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. Um, Charlie, was there a favorite club you had? Uh, I, there were there were favorites, uh, that's for sure. Um, club New England was definitely one of them. I mean, the, the amount of people that would just come to Club New England, I mean, we'd have 600 people on a Tuesday night. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, my phone would start ringing. You know, when they found out we were in town, the phone would start ringing a week before we even played to get, be put on the guest list. And uh, the amount of people that would come and hear us time after time, you know, we're very, very lucky. But, you know, the thing about it is it was it was always you were always good, professional. You knew you knew every time you saw downpour, it was going to be good. I just I think about it. It's like it was a no brainer. It's like, right. OK, what are we doing tonight? Here's who's here. Who's here? Who's here? Yeah, let's go up to Club New England yep. because downpours there. And, and you know, it, it really it, it became your your ability really drove the um the, i think the audience and there's no uh-huh. question about it yep. and like you said off the air uh well let's go to the phones we'll uh, we'll continue the conversation let's uh, check in with the phones good morning you're live on the morning drive hey this is a great segment this is kind of nostalgic i remember them as well but i was just curious you mentioned they traveled a lot and stuff but i thought that they opened for some sort of big band once and i can't for the life of me remember who it was, and yeah. maybe I'm confused. But we had moments you like that. that. Yes, I do. Um, we opened up for. Um, uh, oh my gosh, it, it just escaped me. Just as a oh, you have those moments too, Charlie. Oh, <laughs> I have oh, all of those moments, and yeah. you even know uh, the guess who? The guess who? The guess who? Oh yeah, yeah. In, yeah Memorial Auditorium, and uh, we did a show with them. That was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we had we had a few uh, a few opening acts and stuff that that was. That was really, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was nice to be in that kind of a big venue. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of people show up and, and support us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, well, we're going to take a quick uh, two-minute break, and okay. we're going to continue the conversation with Charlie Rice from Downpour. As Kurt just mentioned, you can join the conversation, 888 Follow them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. to the morning drive everybody where we are continuing our talk our discussion our conversation with charlie rice the lead bigger in the iconic band <laughs> downpour and i'm not exaggerating it, it was a legendary iconic band in the 70s 80s 90s and uh before i keep babbling on let's go back to the phones let's go to the phones good morning you're live on the morning drive good morning charlie how you been brother miss you you guys bring back some really good memories for me here. Uh, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just want to touch base and say hi to you, and thank you very much for some very good times with everybody, going all the way back to the trio and the Red Dog days. There you go. And so I hope to see you soon. Okay, take care. Do you know who that is, Charlie? I do not. You want to tell them who you are? Hey, hey, Charlie. Hey. How about Smugs? How about introducing you to Sue? 
He introduced you to Sue. He introduced said. me to Sue. It's Smugs. Do you know who this? Do you, you want to tell them who you are? Just first name. It's Rick, Charlie. Oh, it is Rick. It didn't sound like you, Rick. <laughs> well, Rick, yeah. Rick well is... considering I got in at 2 o'clock this morning from playing last night, and I'm <laughs> heading back to Maine to play again tonight. There you go. Okay. Now, do you, can you tell us? I mean, you don't have to say last name if you don't want to, but who's Rick, Charlie? Rick Rick used to run our sound. He used to run our oh. lights. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he was a uh, great, great friend. He just doesn't sound like he and, does in the morning. That's well, sure. that's because he's only <laughs> doing any of us. But you're, 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 you're going back to Maine to play tonight? Yeah, yeah, he lives up. And in that I'm area. going back Sunday and going back Monday. I'm I'm, I'm doing the I'm doing the swick an awful lot now. He's, so, a, he's, a, work, he's a workaholic. Rick, uh, what were the what were the downpour days like for you? Oh, gee, um, day, going all the way back when it was the trio, and I first started doing sound with them back then. That was the old Red Dog days, and yeah. and uh, also all sorts of fun. I mean, the guys were just. I knew Bob and George because I was in band with Bob and George um, in high school, yep. and we had and we had a band called Hard Stuff. It was a horn band, and then I left for. I'm trying to think. I was up, somehow they ended up with like I said Charlie and, and George and Bob all got together, and I came back from New, uh, New Jersey from school in '74 and hooked up with them and started doing sound for them back then. And driving the gear all around, and you, you, Charlie and I would be load the stuff up and take it, and you know, meet the other guys. And but it was it was like it was a camaraderie. It was we were all just joking around, having a good time. Um, I can't tell you the I can't tell you some of the stories that were that were just so crazy. I mean, oh, come on, guys tell, are, us. The tell guys, us one of them. I mean, I can I can tell you as far as one story that when we were going down as far as the five piece band, uh, we were going down to. Um, Massachusetts to play down in East is it East Waterboro or something like that I, I down know. by Gillette Stadium. Yep. Timmy had driven. Timmy had driven down by himself. Yep. We're in the equipment truck, the rest of us, and we're going around a corner around um, Hopkinton, New Hampshire, on eighty nine, and the back wheels fall off the we, truck. We lose a <laughs> wheel. Yeah. And and we have and they have to call the club owner and Timmy's standing next to the club owner when the call comes in and I mean I had to feel bad for Timmy because there was nothing he could do but the club owner's like probably going through the roof because yeah. his band is sitting in New Hampshire and we had to wait what was it two days Charlie for the wheels to get fixed something like that yeah. oh good lord yeah <laughs> well thank you for calling this morning Rick That's Rick I appreciate it you take care buddy we'll talk soon all right. Okay. Listen, I will. I will call you Saturday. I'm like so running all over the place playing, but uh, you have a great birthday, Saturday. Thank you so much. Oh, Charlie, it's your birthday oh, Saturday. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hey, somebody screamed. There you go. Another Charlie. Come up at least once. Hey, hey Charlie R. It's Charlie P. How Hi, doing, Charlie man? P. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, uh, man. Lots of great memories with you, Charlie. Um, you know, first and foremost, um, you know they've been talking. You know, lead singer or downpour, but you know more than the lead singer, you're the front man, and that's really so important in any kind of band. And and you know you were able to take that talent and then move it into DJing, which a lot of people just don't get. They think you know with DJing you you, you play music and that's it, but it's always connecting with the audience, and that's something that you were always able to do whether it was with the band or, you know, whether uh, you were DJing. And, and Charlie and Charlie, 
the two of you actually were, you guys know each other from the business, right? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we worked, you know, we worked interesting for, story, too. Yeah, uh, we worked course, for Super Sounds know, for years. Like, Go ahead, Charlie. Like, like, like you, Kurt, you know, I, I would go and see Downpour, uh, you know, when I was in high school and, uh, you know, at the Red Dog on Sunday nights. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of never really became friends with Charlie back then. And, and uh, it was, Charlie was working at Smogs and I was working for Super Sound's DJ company with Grant Allendorf. And, and Grant was doing some things with, uh, with Charlie up at Smogs and, you know, I went up uh, with Grant one day to hook, do some lights and hook up some lights. We're going to be doing some gigs up there. And, and there's Charlie Rice. And, and, like, I'm in awe because it's like I remember this guy from high school. And it's like, wow, it's Charlie oh. Rice. And, you know, and little did I know that years later, Charlie and I would actually become business partners. We formed C-Note Entertainment. Uh, we went on to DJ many, many years together. And, you know, Charlie, it's always uh, it's been a you know an honor and, and certainly a lot of fun uh, to work with you. Thank you, sir. I feel the same way. Absolutely, you're one of the class guys in the business. That's for sure. Yeah, I remember. I remember those days very, very well. And Kurt, I want to know how did you not become our business manager? <laughs> I think I could have made the which we'll talk about in the next segment. We come back to the break in a minute or so. Here. I think I could have taken those some of those songs that you did your own your own album. Yep. I think I could have made those actual big hits. I think it was just marketing. Yeah. What do you think, Charlie? It was definitely marketing, uh, Charlie P. Yeah. Oh, Charlie P. <laughs> what do you think, Charlie P? ourselves from each other it was charlie p and, and charlie r yeah. uh charlie i gotta ask you I, I don't think i've ever asked you this question but you know getting a, a a room a group and everybody on the dance floor and and winding them up and getting them into a frenzy nobody could do it like you and there was this one trademark thing that you did and i don't know if if you own it or you you know you got it from somebody else i know what all, you're gonna ask me I, you know we all steal from people in this business uh-huh. but it was when you'd get them all wound up and you'd yell out, somebody scream. Yep. And the whole room would just scream at the top of their lungs. Yep. Where did that come from? I have no, you know, I don't know, Charlie. I, I, I'm sure I stole it from somebody. Um, <laughs> you know, I know that, uh, you know, it, it was something that I remember hearing, you know, it, at different shows and uh, whether it be on TV or whether, you know, whatever but it just it just sort of you know took on a whole life of its own for sure you know to the point yeah. where i'm sure it got it got so annoying for so many people <laughs> oh no 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 it didn't so. and every every dj in the area worth his uh, his weight in uh, in music you know stole the line i use it many times too it was you know it just worked you'd get everybody all all riled up and you know somebody scream and yeah. like the whole room would scream it worked yeah. Well, we had some we had some remarkable crowds. We had some unbelievable support. Uh, Kurt being one of them, he used to bring a whole gang of people, uh, and you know we just had our our different. You know, the Middlebury area was always great for us. The Virgins area was always Bristol. I mean, George George was from Bristol, and did you ever, Charlie, did you ever get nervous with some of us? Like, say. Here are these kind of kooks that show up at every single one of these. I hope they're all. I hope no, they're all sane. Nervous was never, <laughs> never the. Uh, that was never the feeling. The it was, feeling was always just. We were just so honored to, to have people come. I mean, you know, you you, you show up at a club and you you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, but we were just guaranteed great crowds and and you know everybody was 
enthusiastic and they made it easy. Well, er, I'll just tell you this little secret. Early on, my wife is not going to be happy with me on this, but I'm just going to tell you that early on we weren't married and my wife had a big crush on Tim. Oh, yeah? Oh. Well, <laughs> she wasn't alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always the drummer. <laughs> yeah, well, he was the quiet one. We, and we didn't give him a microphone. Yeah, well, and there were reasons why we didn't give him a microphone. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Thank you, Charlie P., for calling in this morning. It's always good to hear your voice. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. Check in with Fox News. Amanda's got the headlines. we got the forecast. Listen the way you want. Now, we return on The Morning Drive. News Talk WVMT. They are pretty good. <laughs> it was a nice sound. with you on your maiden voyage. No, I wouldn't let you. Welcome back, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, continuing our talk with Charlie Rice, the lead singer, and more, as Charlie Papillo indicated, obviously. Um, and boy, how does it sound? To, how does it feel to ha- hear that song, Charlie? That, that's 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 an oldie goldie, that's for sure. That that's the Downpour album, "Fly Away." We still have it at home. My wife reminded me. She sent me a text that we did, in fact, see you on the Cape. There you go. <laughs> Shows you memories see? that I had forgotten about. Um, and we got an autographed album. We had you autograph the album there. So we And she was just playing it the other day. There you go. All right. Well, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yes. Good morning. I wanted to speak to Charlie. Hello. You're Charlie, live on the air. You got him. Charlie, this is another Charlie. I'm going to be short and sweet. I moved up here from New York and married my sweetheart. And you guys played at our wedding in a big old barn in Brandon. There you the go. The night we were there, it was pouring outside, but it was great inside. There you go. Oh, and what a perfect thing. It was pouring. It was There was exactly. a downpour, downpour going on outside. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But we, you played, you were in the hayloft, and we all danced the night away to your great music. Thank wow. you, Charlie. What, can Appreciate you tell us, it. Charlie, what year was it? 1971. Wow. 71. That's, that's the year. That's, that was the beginning year. Well, yeah. that, that was the first year. Yep. Yeah. It was in Brandon, Vermont. It was sure. just wonderful. Sure. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, congratulations, and congratulations. You uh, still have the marriage together. That's awesome, and uh, I'm glad it was a great party, and I'm glad it's great memories, for sure. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you, Charlie. This morning. Boy, there's a yeah. lot of great memories out there, Charlie. There are so many great memories, and, you know, when you start talking about the album, you start talking about, you know, some of the people that were involved. Uh, we had John Castle, you know, uh, who's passed since, but, uh, you know, he played piano for us and he was a tremendous, what a character he was. And, uh, just, you know, just Mike, Mike Schubert and uh, all the people down at, uh, Philo records. Did you, so you, uh, I was going to ask you where we recorded that because again, our, I was younger, but our paths crossed because my father used to, uh, Bill would call him and say, look, we need a drummer. Sure. Come to Ferrisburg. Sure. Uh, but you, so you recorded that at earth audio down at Philo. We that did. was that. That was that was a pretty cool place. That was it? a very, very, very cool place. I remember being a little guy running around with with Bill's son, yep. and we used to get yelled at for making too much noise while Absolutely. the bands were trying to record. But that, so talk about what the amount of you think about. We talk about all of us watching you, but you seeing all these people all those years. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Just just how does that just, how does that impact you when you when you think back on. 
on the number of people that you saw from your perspective. I mean, yeah. there's so many of us out here yeah. that, that think about, okay, I saw you here. We saw you sure. there. We saw you there. Sure. Um, are there, are there certain, certain nights or certain there things t- that, that stand out? Anthony, there were times when, you know, it seemed like when, when we we're in the heyday, uh, when they were just, you know, putting a microphone in front of your stand, you know, right in front of you yep. and they just keep moving clubs by you. I mean, that's how, that's how crazy it was. It I felt mean, that way. Yeah. Uh, we just had, you know, so many, so many jobs, uh, and so many dates and we were very lucky. We were, you know, but the crowds were the, were the reason, I mean, you know, the, the people came, uh, Yeah. whether it be the red dog and they climb the stairs every, you know, the, or the back, nail, the nectar's days, the rusty nail and red dog later became uh, the lighthouse, the lighthouse. Oh, it, it and, became Lots, lots of different names for sure. And Charlie, let's talk about the album. How did the album come about, and who wrote the? Because I think there's terri- I mean, there's terrific songs on this album, yeah. which we just played a little bit of well, one I think of them. George, George, Bob, and I, you know, wrote all the material on the album. Um, and I mean, it's just something that was inevitable. I mean, we were playing music, and you know, we we wanted to play our own music also. Um, not that that was always going to be the popular popular thing. Uh, Anthony, you and I discussed this off the air. That, you know, um, that one thing about Downpour was that we always prided ourselves on playing what people wanted to hear. You could read the room, <clears throat> and that's a skill set. It really is. And it was it was the kind of thing where you know we were the t- we were the type of group that if a song came out that week, we had to learn it for the weekend because yeah. people expected us to you know whether it be uh, Journey and. You know, O'Sherry or you know, yeah. Whatever. So it was a cla- in terms of the the lyrics to all the different songs. Like and like I said, there's great songs on here. And a lot of times, I just like with our general manager with a song in his band. I feel like sometimes there are songs that could have been gone big. Oh yeah. Um, it just didn't maybe get marketed right. Right. And I when I listen to that album even today, my wife was playing it just the other day. I hear some of those songs and say, I think these songs could have gone big, just sure. just maybe sure. with a little different well, marketing. Well, at the time, you know, we were, it was Fretless uh, that was the, the independent independent label. Uh, so, you know, we didn't get the, and, you know, I remember I remember hearing from colleges. I remember hearing from colleges that said, you know, we're lo- how do we get a hold of your album? How do we get, and, you know, we struggled with that. Yeah. And, uh, Distribution was tough. People don't realize how hard it was. And it was. I, I remember, uh, you know, you'd go go to the barn or Earth Audio, whatever, sure. all the different names, and there would be cases and cases and cases of albums, and oh, yeah. there would be people feverishly, one at a time, mailing them out, sure. you know? And you think about now how distribution, I just pulled it up while we were talking during the commercial break uh-huh. on the internet, right. but the availability of music has changed so significantly. Absolutely. But I, I, I go back to um, just the ability to know that... A lot of bands get stuck in this in this frame or this mindset of this is us, this is who we are, right, right. and 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 you're here to see us. Sure. And I think that that's important to a certain extent. But even if you look at some of the most popular bands on the planet, you look at like a Springsteen, or you look at like a Billy Joel, or you look at they read the room. Absolutely. They they have the ability oh, yeah. to read the room, and so there's a combination of the two things that Charlie Papillo talks about. Which is really hard when you're a DJ sometimes, <laughs> because it's a little harder, I think, because you have the availability of so much music. Sure, you got to know which lane to take. Exactly. And and but I just remember seeing Downpour in different places and different. It'd be completely different sets, but the experience was always the same. It was a great time, yeah. and you were out on the dance floor. 
Yeah. Charlie, what was of of the many bands that you played? You played a lot of Eagles songs. You played a lot of the of the bands of the day. Was there one that was your favorite that you liked playing more than anything else? Any which song or even the group? Um, you know, I think when we went when we went top forty and you know decided that we're going to play pe- the music people wanted to hear, uh, and they you just wanted you know you knew they were going to get up and dance for you. You knew it was a bona fide hit. You knew it was going to be. Um, you know, when a song came out, um, you just knew we got to learn that. We got to learn that. And I, when I was talking to you on the phone sure. when we were getting you to come on the show. Um, we talked a little bit about the Eagles because mm-hmm. I know you did a lot of Eagles songs. And I was telling you, and I, and I meant this, that I could, I could close my eyes and visualize you up there dancing and singing the Eagles songs. And to me, they sounded just as good as the Eagles. Oh, yeah. And I'm not kidding you. Well, Kurt, I mean, you were always a huge, huge fan, I'll tell you. And I'm still trying to figure out why I never hired you. <laughs> um, but, I wish uh, you did. Yeah. Um, um, no, I think I think we just went through the different eras, the different, you know, like I said, when when Downpour first started, we started with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. We knew we had that, yeah. that three-part harmony. Uh, and then, you know, and then we got into, you know, playing Grateful Dead shows. And so, you know, we used to play a club down in uh, in Montpelier called the uh, Industrial Revolution. And we used to play for Norwich. And they were huge De- Grateful Dead fans. And so, you know, you had to play Grateful Dead. And of course, Grateful Dead harmony was not exactly, exactly Crosby, Stills, and Nash harmony. Right, so, right. You know, so it was a different, it was a different thing. But then, you know, when it came down to top 40, you know, we just... You just play the play the music people wanted to hear, and you knew it was going to fill the dance floor. But know? I find that interesting too, where you talk about well, okay, so we played that club, and there were Dead fans, so we we had a, the, a we we played a lot of Dead music. You sure. Know? Again, back to reading the reading the room and stuff. And sure. but I will also say you have to have a skill set. You know, the one the, the thing that you guys brought to the table, which I think is pretty remarkable. Now, even just having this conversation, like you knew you had to play the Grateful Dead. Well, you know, two days later, you could be somewhere else playing Journey, exactly, or or, or you know, and then, but you started with a, a real solid base uh, and talent. When if you can harmonize like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, mm-hmm. and then you can leverage that and take it in all these different directions, I think now through this conversation, I'm I'm understanding, you know, from our perspective as as fans, yeah, you guys are just great. Thank you. But you, but to have that kind of knowledge and base and ability to shift and yep. pivot and and show to show, now it makes sense why you were so popular for so long. Yeah, well, we're talking to Charlie Rice. Uh, he is the lead, he was the lead singer and more, as Charlie Papillo said, of the band Downpour, the iconic, legendary band. If you have a question, if you want to talk to Charlie, give us a call triple eight four one four zero three zero three. Charlie, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Would no, I? that's okay. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you. How tired were you at the end of a night when you? Because I remember not only did you do all the songs, but Charlie, you were up there dancing around on the dance floor. You were, you were, you were, yeah. you were a performer. You were a singer, but you were a performer. You a were up showman. there. I can, I can see you up there dancing around. How tired were you at the end of the night? I was pretty tired. Pretty tired. <laughs> um, it was, but it was a good tired. It was a good tired. It was a good feeling. I mean, you always knew when you had a good night. You always knew. I mean, you had a pretty good idea before the night even started. Just by the way the people were coming in and stuff, you said, "Oh boy, this is this is going to be a, this is going to be a crazy one," uh, and uh, people just we had incredible support. You know, 
uh, you know, not just you, Kurt. I mean, all your oh, friends. Yeah, it was um, a lot of people. There, a lot there, of, so there was many, always a big crowd. And the, the crowds that would follow us down to, you know, and I mentioned this before, mentioned uh, going down to uh, Cape Cod. We'd go to Cape Cod. We'd go to Old Orchard Beach, Maine, and more Vermonters would be there. And we'd just say, you know, I I thought you would like a weekend away from us. And, you know, <laughs> and it never worked out that way. So it, it was just wonderful. And it was wonderful the support we always got. And uh, they just treated us the best they could. That's for sure. Now, I know you started with three, but then your brother Tim joined. So then yep. it was you and Tim yep. and Bob Recupero and George yep. or- Irwin. Right. But then sometime in the 80s, you brought on a guitar player. Yeah, that Le- was Lenny, Lenny Hayden. Yeah. And uh, he was phenomenal. And, and what was the reason there? You want well, to get into I, I some think, other music? That I, No, I think we just decided that if we're going to do this top 40 thing, we better we better do it right. Um, and you know we needed we needed that kind of expertise. And uh, you know Lane Lane Gibson was our keyboard player and our music man behind everything. And he he was an absolute monster. Used to play with a group known as the Davis Brothers Garage Band. Uh, um, and uh, we were, we were so lucky to get him uh, when they disbanded. Uh, I, I fought hard for him to get to get him back in the band. Uh, and because uh, he did the album with us. And we just knew we would would work really well together. And he just, you know, he unbelievable voice, unbelievable keyboard yeah. player, unbelievable musician, and just you know, tremendous, tremendous guy. How did you decide on a particular song? You did most of it, but occasionally this, like Bob would sing one of the songs, right, or whatever. Yeah. How, how did you, you just like the the voice worked for one song better than I, the other? I, I think what you know. Uh, obviously, you know the songs that he wrote. He, you know, he sang, and uh, I think that we just we just sort of got into that. As far as the top forty stuff, it just was pretty obvious, you know, in you know what what flavor we're going to pl- go with. If it's Huey Lewis, the news, and, you know, that kind of thing. We would, you, you did some Cat Stevens too, I remember. Cats, Kurt, you know, with a guy that goes back with us as far as you do. I mean, you're you're <laughs> yeah. talking you're talking you know every era there is. Uh, and you know we started you know started with the seventies and yeah. you know, it was it was always Crosby, Stills and Nash, Cat Stevens. Uh, those are that those are great Eagles. great times. Eagles. Journey yep. later. Yeah, and we it just it was a progression, you know. And you know the the top forty was the thing where we knew in order to make make the money we were looking to make and be able to play the clubs we wanted to play. You know, if you played Club New England, you you had you know you had to have a pretty good draw. Yeah. And and uh, people would just. Now you just had. I think you told me you just had a reunion with the guys, right? The other. Well, yeah, that was a little just, reunion. Yeah, that was just to got uh, together. Just got together. Yeah, George was in town. George is living in Arizona now, and he came in town. And uh, Lane, myself, my brother, and I all got together. Bob was at, unfortunately out of town, so he he couldn't be with us. But yeah, it's just great to. I mean, you can tell. I, we, you know, not only were we um, very successful as far as, you know, the business and everything else, we were just really good friends. And, you know, it was a very special bond with the with these guys, for sure. And Rick, Rick Coakley, who just, you know, just got on the phone with us, he was another one. Uh, just, you know, that, that, was, that was the group that yeah. stuck together. And, Charlie, can you talk about one of the bands, again, that we've – let's talk about a little bit about this, the current day, is – 
You played a lot of Eagles songs, and the Eagles now are coming to the end, but a lot going on with the Eagles. Unbelievable. And I know you told me that you and Tim attended an Eagles concert, and how much did you pay for the tickets? I think I think we paid $800 for a Whoa. ticket, for, uh, but they, they were just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Eagles are, uh, you know, what can you say about Eagles? Uh, the harmonies and, you know, um, Don Henley, uh, probably yeah. one of the greatest singers ever, ever, ever. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, he just, it was amazing to me. I mean, he basically, we sat there for, you know, at the beginning of the concert, he said, okay, everybody sit back and relax. We're going to play for about three and a half hours and, uh, let you enjoy all the music. And they did. And they did. Yeah. You know, and the thing that's kind of scary about it now is that now you hear that Eagles are calling it quits. Yeah. Uh, they're going to start selling tickets starting with, uh, um, the, the show in New York, uh, Madison Square Garden, and they're going out with uh, uh, Steely Dan. Wow! Now wait a minute. <laughs> how, <laughs> how much? How long can they play? Eagles exactly. Right. Eagles plays three and a half hours. Uh, right. uh, I think Steely Dan's got a couple of hits. You a know? few. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they got a few. How, how, I mean, is this going to be a week? Is this a Woodstock? I mean, yeah. is it going to be a whole weekend kind of That's thing? That's a time commitment. It is a time commitment. So it's it's amazing to me. I don't know what the charge of, of the tickets is going to be, but um, how long ago was it when you went and paid the eight hundred dollars? Uh, probably a couple years ago. Oh, not long. Okay, not long ago. A few years ago. I but they were just phenomenal. Go. I mean, yeah. I'm sitting here right now with headphones on, mm-hmm. and it, that's what it was like in in, in Boston. And well, the thing that it, the technology really has improved. Oh. You know, I I stopped going to really big shows in the '80s because it's like you go to the Olympic Center in Montreal. Sure, that was great. I saw the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, but. Uh, I, I figured out, geez, for what we paid and where we were, I'd wait until the IMAX the sure. theater version sure. of it came out. Sure. But now, yeah. uh, you can sit in these huge arenas, Unbelievable. and the sound is really well done. It really has changed. Technology has changed a lot in in in, in certain ways, in particularly for live entertainment. Absolutely. You know, you watch the sound guys walk around with these little iPads. Yeah. And they can walk through the entire stadium and, and, and tweak it. It's just amazing. It is me. amazing. Uh, it, it, the technology has come so far. Yeah. I remember, you know, not this last time we saw Eagles, but the time before that, we went to see Hotel California at uh, uh, in, uh, in Montreal. And uh, I think Tim and I were probably the farthest away from Don Henley as we could be. And he came on and... It was right there. Boom. Wow. Right there. I mean, it was like you were right there in the yep. studio. No Charlie, funny echo or anything. Charlie Rice from the legendary band Downpour. Charlie, uh, let's go to what was the last the last show you did? Well, the last show was at um, the Sheridan. Uh, that was down at their Civic Center. Um, and it, it was a pretty remarkable night. Um, it was the year 2000. And it just seemed like a good time. We just to call it quits, you know. Uh, we've been together thirty years. Uh, a lot of our homeowners or homeowners, a lot of our club owners were there. A lot of our uh, f- much of our family was there. It was a very very emotional evening. I'll tell you. Uh, the first set, you know, didn't really think about it. You know, we just got got up there with the hype and everything else. And there's so many people. I mean, we had close to two thousand people probably. Um, and uh, it was just going to be a remarkable evening. But then as the night progressed, you started thinking, wait a minute, this is the last time we're doing this. 
hold on, this is the last time we're doing this. And so it just got to be where, you know, we thought, wow, amazing, amazing. And, you know, you get to go around and thank people like you and thank people that that supported us. I mean, and they were all out there. Yeah, so it was an emotional night, obviously. It had to be after 30 years. Absolutely. And uh, did you... In the subsequent years for a while, because I used to hear talk of there's going to be a downpour reunion. Yeah. Did you guys ever? Well, there's, I mean, you know, there's obviously always going to be talk about, you know, getting back together again and stuff like that. But it never really, it never really took, took, took place. And, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, like the early days, I mean, the, the years were what they were. I mean, you know, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash years, the, you know, the Grateful Dead years, the all, I mean, we played those music, we played all that kind of music, and then it ended up being a top 40 band. So we ended up playing the most popular music in order to draw the crowd and get, make the people happy and get those people to respond the way, like Anthony said, you know, you could be guaranteed that it was going to be a good time that night. So, and that's all we wanted to do is make sure people had, people had fun. You know, any any regrets? Any any when after after it was over in the in two thousand, did you sort of wish look we back and say, for, "Hey, I wish we'd done it for a few more years." I wish we could have done it for a few. Yeah, I guess there was. There's always going to be a little bit of that, you know. Um, I, I think that, uh, but we knew that you know it pretty much run its course, and you know the uh, the club scene was what it was, and uh, you know for whatever reason, you know. Well, I think it's good, too, to know when to say when. Yeah. I think you went out on top. Exactly. You know, and it was uh, your terms. And I, I can see where, you know, you think at the time, okay, that's great. But then as the night progresses, you're like, geez, we're never going to do this again. But right. you went out on top. But, by natu- but naturally, cool. you have to look back at times and say, geez. Now, just Charlie Rice, thank you for being on the morning drive today. And yeah. I want to, on behalf of us, but also on behalf of thousands and thousands of Vermonters, Thank you for all the good times you provided so many of us for so many years. Kurt, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to everyone, and uh, thank you for being so welcoming, guys. And oh, anytime. Give our, rest, thank you. give our best to the rest of the band, sure including your brother, Tim. I sure. All right. Sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, well, they go fast, Kurt. And tomorrow we've got a big lineup. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dave Zuckerman's going to be here. And uh, Commissioner... Uh, Anson Tebbets, Agriculture Commission. Right here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. On your maiden voyage. From ABC News. I'm Derek Dennis. Donald Trump, the former president and his golf club in New Jersey this morning, gearing up to appear in a D.C. courtroom tomorrow to face an indictment by a federal grand jury, his third one this year. Former President Trump has been summoned to federal court here in Washington Thursday afternoon for a now familiar routine, surrendering to face criminal charges. First, Trump was charged over hush money paid to porn actress Stormy Daniels, then over the retention of classified documents. And now, because of efforts to overturn the 2020 president presidential election, allegedly trying to subvert the democracy he is now campaigning to lead for a second time. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, Washington. Pope Francis is in Portugal for World Youth Day. 
A crowd yelling, hello, Papa, as the pontiff arrived. More than one million young people are expected to attend. The Pope also meeting with child sex abuse survivors of the Catholic Church while there. In the West, firefighters battling the biggest wildfire California seen so far this year. The fires along the California-Nevada border are threatening the area's iconic Joshua trees. Meantime, in Arizona, tragedy at the Grand Canyon. One person killed in a tour bus rollover accident. More than 50 people were on board. One state is taking action to combat the surge of car catalytic converter thefts. All detached catalytic converters in Minnesota must be marked with vehicle identification numbers. That under a new law in effect as of Tuesday. Those caught with unmarked parts could face misdemeanor or felony charges. The part contains precious metals selling for more than $1,000 an ounce. The new law also requires scrapyards to begin reporting purchases of vehicles and catalytic converters to a new online database. But... Not until a year from now. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Singer Lizzo facing a sexual harassment lawsuit by three of her former dancers, one of them saying she body shamed her. You're listening to ABC News. Uh oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart, heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. You don't have to live in Britain to get what the New York Times calls the best of British telly. Stream the UK's most brilliant series only on BritBox. Unlock acclaimed favourites including Vera and Stonehouse, starring Succession's Matthew McFadden. Plus, don't miss upcoming original dramas like Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Lose yourself in Britain's best entertainment, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. The heaviest rain in more than a century in and around the Chinese capital of Beijing now blamed for at least 21 deaths. More than 30 inches of rain falling since Saturday. Police in New York City looking for a suspect in a possible hate crime attack. Professional dancer O'Shea Sibley stabbed to death at a Brooklyn gas station. They're a freaking unbelievable team, dude. Wow. And we fall. Uh, the case involving O'Shea says that she was so talented, according to a friend. Like, I don't even know that he thought how talented he was. Again, that from a friend. A Louisiana man trying to raise awareness about the life of shelter dogs by living as one. At the North Shore Humane Society in Covington, Louisiana, animal activist Chris Rotunda is living in an outdoor kennel, and it's hot. Doing it at this time of the year gives people more perspective by looking in like, oh my God, if he's sweating and drenched, what do the dogs feel like? That's not quite what people are thinking. Very crazy. Put him in a loony bin. But Rotonda says he's committed to raising $50,000 for the shelter. There's nothing that's going to stop me unless we get bailed out of 50000 He may be crazy, but... Very few people would do that. Jim Ryan, ABC News. And no winner in last night's billion-dollar Mega Millions jackpot, so it now rolls over to $1.25 billion for Friday's drawing. This is ABC News. You don't have to live in Britain to get what the New York Times calls the best of British telly. Stream the UK's most brilliant series only on BritBox. 
Unlock acclaimed favourites including Vera and Stonehouse, starring Succession's Matthew McFadden. Plus, don't miss upcoming original dramas like Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Lose yourself in Britain's best entertainment, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com.